when I went to go get this new job, um, again, in HR, I wore a shirt that showed my tattoo, my neck tattoo for the interview. Ooh, I okay. was, I was so scared. I was mm. like so scared because I, I had only had, I think six, six or so months of HR experience. Um, I didn't have a college degree. I'm black, I'm gay, you know, I have a beard, all of these things against me and I'm putting another thing against myself with this showing of my tattoo. But I was just like, no, I, I, this is me. Like I'm, I'm, I know what I'm capable of. You know, the job that I had prior to this, I added so much value to the company. Like I helped them grow so much with the work that I was doing. I said, I don't care that I don't have a college degree. I don't care that I have a tattoo on my neck. I add so much value as myself and I'm going to show up as that. And so whether or not I get this job, I want to walk in there and walk out of there with my pride and, and knowing that I'm worth something. Mi gente, what up, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Key and Tuerez podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know it's your host, Pavel, bring you another special episode with another very special guest. Now, the clip you just heard in the intro is with this week's guest, Joshua. Joshua is actually one of those people that I just happened to have the good fortune of meeting on the internet. I actually stumbled upon his profile picture on LinkedIn where he just went into detail and opened up about the topics we talk about on this podcast, which is the conflict that most of us often face between being our authentic self and professionalism. It's funny because I find myself being so open on every other platform, but LinkedIn was still one of those places where I'm like, eh, he's actually inspired me to completely rethink the way that I see LinkedIn. It's a really dope combo. Hope you enjoy it. And with that said, let's get into the episode. It's crazy, man, because uh, I don't know. I don't think I told you this, but like you've recently inspired me to treat my LinkedIn like a Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so weird because like I would typically scroll on LinkedIn and yeah. it was just full of, yo, well, people wouldn't even say yo, but it's right. like, hey, hey, everyone, I just got this job opportunity. Thank, thank you for all the support from these mentorships. And it's like, it's all of these accomplishments, essentially, that people are like touting and, and, and showing. And when I go on your page and see your posts, like, it's these vulnerable pieces and, and just like, very personal. Mm. And for a long time, like that type of content, like I didn't even find on LinkedIn, like, and people wouldn't necessarily consider it quote, unquote, professional. Yeah. But I was like, yo, this is the type of stuff that I think, and I have these personal conversations with myself about, but I don't see other people talking about it. Mm. And uh, the one post that like originally connected us was you opening up just about your LinkedIn picture. Yes. I thought it was so dope. <laughs> yo, funny <laughs> enough, when I saw that picture, I was like, yo, is Fashion Nova doing ads on LinkedIn? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I, I, that's funny to me because I just don't consider myself at all fashionable. So I think what? I did a good job that day. <laughs> yeah. Tell, tell me about tell me about that uh that post in particular though because I think I mean at, at least that's how like you and I met but I think it was like such a powerful piece on just you know yeah. that that uh which is the which is the topic that we talk about here which is like that conflict that we often face between being ourselves versus quote unquote professionalism mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so uh it's interesting because I only just started using LinkedIn 
I don't know, maybe like two months ago or something like that, like consistently, I've always had a LinkedIn for a long time. Um, but like you, I always only saw like uh, job promotions or uh, award announcements or I graduated. And so I never felt like I belonged on LinkedIn. So I was like, oh, I can only just use this to like look for a job, which is how I used it for a long time. Um, but I had recently done a lot of work on myself and really coming to terms with who I am and loving myself more and really, um, as I like to say, reigniting my self-worth. I wanted to start talking about who I was um, to different types of people, to different groups of people, and really show my community who, who, you, who you can be or who you are without feeling ashamed of that. And so, but it took, it took a while because when I got on LinkedIn, I was afraid to, to say things that I wanted to say or show, show even my tattoo and my beard because the picture that I had prior to that was a headshot that I had taken um, for, I used to professionally dance. And so it was a headshot mm -hmm. that I was uh, using as uh, for auditions and it didn't have my tattoo featured in it. And my beard was very low. So it, like it said in the post, I think I, it had to have been like three weeks or something that I was like pondering over if I wanted to share that picture. And I was like, oh no, I probably shouldn't because I, I so I don't know if you know this also, but I do work in HR. Um, mm -hmm. I work for this company in HR as like my day job. And so I was like, oh, like, can I post this? What are they going to say? What are my colleagues going to say? What is my boss going to say? What are people on LinkedIn going to say? What if I get fired or quit from this job and I'm looking for another job and they see this picture and they're like, oh, what? I'm, we can't hire him. Look what he looks like. And so I was just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with that. And the day that I decided to post it, I was just kind of like in the space of like, I don't care anymore. And I don't want to care. I trust myself. I have learned to stand in my truth and I want to show that to the world. And so I was like, this is who I am. I have a tattoo, you know, my tattoos hold a lot of meaning to who I am. And I want to show that to the world. I also am very comfortable now with my body because it's been a constant battle for me throughout my years, um, throughout the years of, of my life. And so being able to showcase that as well was like, you know, again, this is me, this is who I am, accept it. And so I felt so powerful that day. And I was like, I want to show people on LinkedIn that you can be yourself and, and not have to, you know, succumb to these feelings of like, this is a professional network only, corporate photo, corporate profile. And, I, and that's when I was just like, I'm just putting this out there. And I did not expect at all to get the to, to receive the feedback that I got from it, to, to get that engagement. I was like, oh yeah, you know, whatever. It's just gonna be, a, you know, a few likes or whatever. But then it started to go viral and I was like, okay, this is crazy and I don't know <laughs> what to do, but awesome. Yeah, tell me about some of the feedback that you received. Yeah, so I got ton, like my inbox was flooded with people just <laughs> thanking me for showing up as my true self. And I think it really resonates with so many people because I think we, we, we either have gotten, I don't think we've fully gotten, but we're, we're on our way to a place of people wanting to show up as themselves more and more at work. They don't want to just uh, feel like they have to be what the world tells them to be, especially in the workplace, um, because there's so much more to us as human beings. We're evolving continuously every single day, every single year, right? And new generations are coming, you know, I don't know how old you are, but I'm a millennial. 
and now there's Gen Z, right? And so it's like people's minds are changing in the in the way that they want to see the world. You have a lot of things opening up, and and people really trying to gain a better understanding of um, new languages, new culture, new ways of life, new 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 everything, right? And so I think that's why it resonated with so many people, and and I think people are also tired of not being able to bring themselves fully to work when they have so much going on outside of work that they're dealing with or that they're doing you know there's so many people that are doing you know side hustles or that have a passion even if it's not a hustle they they they're an artist or they just love to do something and so why can't they talk about that why can't they bring that to work and so yeah i mean I would say like 99% of the feedback that I received via the comments and, and DMs were so amazing. And I, I had gotten like, I think I read two comments that were like, this is for Tinder, this is for Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, you know, the old me would have been so upset at, at that, you know, would have probably deleted my post because of that feedback. Um, Cause I used to be so like, I had such a so low self, sense of self-worth that I would get like 500 great comments on things that I posted, but that one comment would just, yeah. I would identify with it. it. I would internalize it and it would affect me and give me so much anxiety that I'd have to take a break from social media just because I kept replaying different scenarios in my head that actually were not true. Um, so the old me would have deleted that, but yeah, I was just like, I saw those and I was like, okay, so yeah, maybe I'll get, a, I mean, not that I'm looking for a date, but cause I have a partner, but I'm like, maybe I'll get a date out of this. Who cares if it's for Tinder? Like, you know, who? I don't, I, I just, I was just like, I don't, I don't want to focus on that negativity because there's just so much positive that has come out of it. Yeah. There's even that meme. I think it was like four uh, squares, essentially like in one picture, it was like Facebook, Instagram, Tinder, and LinkedIn. <laughs> Yeah. And people would post different pictures of themselves in the different versions. Yeah. But in some, in some point, it's just kind of like, like, why can't I use the same picture that I use on Tinder on LinkedIn? Right. You know what I mean? Unless you're like, exactly. I don't know. I don't know if there are any boundaries, but like in, in most cases, right? Like you mm-hmm. could probably use the same picture. I use the same picture in all my, like my yeah. LinkedIn picture is like, it used to be me at a party, just cropped out everything out. And it's just like my headshot essentially. Yeah. Um, I'm so curious, like in your headshot, were were you just wearing a turtleneck to hide your tattoo? Like what were you wearing in it? <laughs> actually, no, I actually didn't have a tattoo at the time. I And that's ah. that's another thing is like, I felt my old picture was not um, a an actual were, representation of who I was in this moment. You know, that you were was catfishing. A, right, exactly. I was catfishing. <laughs> I was catfishing, exactly. I was catfishing these companies, you know? This is how I look. In, it, when I apply and when I show up to the interview, you're getting, you know, full, full neck tattoo and everything. Um, but yeah, I just, I just felt like it wasn't a full representation of who I am in this very moment. And I didn't want, exactly, I didn't want to lie to people um, when they, you know, connected with me or when they wanted to talk with me or when they hop on a video call or meet me for coffee. Like, because then, you know, I just, I used to be really scared about showing up as myself um, now that I do have a tattoo because I had like that picture or even when I apply to jobs where it's like, okay, what am I going to do? I'm applying for an HR job. What, what's going to happen when I show up for a face-to-face mm-hmm. interview and they see my tattoo? Like what, what can I wear that's going to, sh- that's going to um, hide it as much as possible. So I would always have those fears. And so I didn't want to have that fear anymore. And if I was going to use my LinkedIn as a place to gain new employment or to make connections, you know, personal or professional, 
quote unquote professional, um, you know, I didn't want to show up, you know, being this pretend person. I wanted to be me as my full self. So this is what you got. Word. And yeah. you said like you did a ton of work on yourself to, to be more confident. Right. And I think most of us go through that, right? Like we go through a phase of um, like self-discovery, if you will, and like figuring out who yeah. we are and then leaning into um, that authenticity. Right. But like, tell me a little bit about some of the work that you said that, that you went through and maybe even like, when did that fear kick in for you? Oh, wow. Um, so, I mean, like so many people during 2020, it was a huge wake up call for me. Um, you know, Black Lives Matter protests were happening. George Floyd was murdered. Um, you know, the pandemic, we all were like out of work. And so in the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, yes, I'm going to use this time to uh, work on myself, like, you know, become better in like this profession or learn this or do this course. I started even writing my book. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. And, and it was really awesome at first. And then I started to realize that I was using social media so much in a way that was not aligning with my morals. Um, and it was just like, it, it, I was constantly clashing because I've, I've been talking about my mental health for a, a long time, for a few years now via social media. Um, but I also had not worked through a lot of it, through a lot of the issues that I was dealing with, through a lot of the traumas that I had faced when I was younger. And so a lot of that came up for me during the pandemic because I was in a, in a way I was also facing this, uh, some kind of like identity crisis, I guess you can say, because I, um, my mother passed away when I was 12 and my father was not in my life. And so after my mother passed away, I was raised by my friend's family who were white. And so I did not have an exposure to black culture. And I also didn't really have exposure to queer culture. And so I was like, when the like when the black lives matter protests were happening i felt so conflicted because i was like do i deserve to be out there wow. protesting am i you know have I, what have i done for the black community what have i done for the queer community i felt so ashamed for so long and so i i did go protesting for a while but then a lot of those feelings started to come up and so when that happened i started to think about my childhood and I was just like, okay, well, clearly there's, there's things that I haven't faced. Um, and I went into kind of like seclusion or isolation to a point where I wanted to, like, you know, there was a lot of like suicidal ideation and I, uh, my friends were very scared for me. I was very scared for myself. And finally, I was just like, well, I don't want, I don't want to lose my life. I, I want to live. I know that I do, even though I'm feeling very strongly that I don't deserve to. What can I do to fix that? And the first thing that, thought, that I thought about was talking to someone that, that could help me through this. And so I got into therapy and therapy changed my life. You know, I hadn't been to therapy since I was a little boy after my mother had died, you know, and that was, I think I had gone maybe for like a year or something. And so I hadn't been to ther therapy for over 15 years. Yeah. And so when I joined, when I started talking to my therapist, the very first, the very first conversation was just me crying for like 45 minutes because I was holding on to so much that I was just ready to release that. And so once I released that, I continued therapy. I joined some support groups to talk to other people that had gone through the, the, the things that I, the experiences that I had gone through as a child and also through my teenage years and adulthood. Um, meditation helped me so much. 
Um, and I don't know if that sounds cliche, you know, people talk about meditation a lot, but like being able to sit in silence and just acknowledge all of my thoughts and really just have them come in and come out and, and say, yes, I'm here. I see those thoughts, but they don't control me. Just like really changed my perspective on, on life itself. Um, and one big, 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 big thing that I came across um, from this book called The Untethered Soul um, by an author called, um, by the name of Michael A. Singer, he talks about the voice in our head and how much we identify with the voice in our head. Um, and, and in this book, you realize that, or he helps you to realize that we are not the voice in our head. And when I discovered that, when I discovered that I could step away from this voice that kept telling me that I was unworthy, that I was trash, that I was gross, that I was too fat, that I was ugly, all of those negative things that that voice kept telling me, I knew, I started to realize were not true. And I could step away from them and say, why am I saying these things? Why am I telling myself that I feel this way about myself or that I am this way when clearly I'm not? Um, and so that was like a major life, a uh, major mindset shift for me. And, and once I started to learn all of those things, I put them in place and like now I practice a routine every single day. You know, I wake up, you know, 5, 5.30 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. depending on the day and I meditate, I read, I journal and I, and anytime that I have a negative thought, I step away from it and I say, you know, that's not true you know, or if I'm angry, if I'm having an emotion, you know, if I'm, I'm, if I'm mad, I'm like, why am I mad? Is this serving me? Do I really need to be mad? Why is this happening? So all of those tools have really helped me to um, become the person that I am today, you know, and, and it's happened fairly quickly, but I think it's because I was so committed to becoming a different person, to becoming my authentic self. Yeah, I, I love that, man. I, uh, same thing for me, it changed my life on, on so many levels, both, both personally and um, professionally. For me, like it took, well, my, my only exposure to therapy growing up was in the media. And mm -hmm. in the media, like I never saw a person of color in, mm -hmm. in like therapy on a show, you know what I mean? Uh, like if anything, the way that we were portrayed in getting through some of our trauma was vices. Like if we were, if we were on a TV show, we were going to do something, we picked up a blunt or we picked up a bottle mm -hmm. and, uh, I only saw white people going to therapy. So like my early exposure outside of just media was I had a friend growing up with my best friend growing up. He was like in my building. Um, he went to high school with mostly white people and mm -hmm. he went to therapy early on, but it's not like he told me it was more so like you know, his family gossip and I, and I found out, but when I found out, I was like, oh, the white people got to him fucking therapy, blah, blah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so like I had the representation even, and he's, he, I'm Dominican, he's Puerto Rican. So I was like, oh, somebody looks like me going to therapy, but I was like too soon in my life to actually get it. It wasn't until like after college, it was like early in my career my friend was going through a divorce and then he went to therapy. And it was at that point where I was like, all right, somebody else that looks like me, but now I'm ready in my life to actually acknowledge the representation and also see it in myself the need yeah. for it mm -hmm. you know what i mean so i'm wondering for you like what made you even have the courage to go because i think now it's being more openly discussed but that doesn't mean that we're going to actively go out and seek those resources yeah 
Um, yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. Like, even for me, as I said, I hadn't been to therapy for so long. Like, I think, I think I had been in therapy after my mom passed away when I was like from 12 to maybe if I remember correctly to the age of 14. Um, but after that, it was like, it wasn't until now when I was, when I was 30. Um, but I think for me was, I think I thought back to the moment where I, when I was in therapy, when I was a child, because I, the way that I was feeling, you know, back in, in late, in the middle of 2020, you know, all of my depression and anxiety, I had never felt that way. Or the last time I had felt that way was when my mother passed away. I had never felt a deep, deep pain and, and loneliness and, and unworthiness uh, uh, prior to, you know, I hadn't felt something that strong um, since my mother had passed away. So I think I thought back to, oh, well, the last time I felt like this was when my mom died and that, and I was in therapy. Maybe therapy is something that's going to push me to become better this time around as well. Um, and I thought about it too, in that moment, I was like, why hadn't I been going to therapy before this? You know, why didn't I take a step into therapy to try and prevent this from getting so bad? Um, and I think it was because I, I was so, I had such an obsession with validation through social media. And I think I thought that that was my therapy. You know, I thought, oh, if I feel bad, then all I have to do is post a half naked picture on Instagram or Twitter and get likes and comments and messages of guys telling me you look so good. Can we meet up? You know, those kinds of things were providing me with this kind of like, uh, um, you know, sense of this, this fake sense of self-worth or this, this, this worthiness, I guess it's not self self-worth, but it's a, it's a feeling of worthiness. You feel like you're worth something because other people are telling you. And so I think that for a while was, was my way of, of dealing with my pain. It was like a numbing thing for me. You know, I, I so badly wanted the attention of other people because I just couldn't face who I was myself. And so I think that's why I hadn't been to therapy in so long, but I stepped into therapy in that moment of my life because I knew that when I really needed help before, when I was younger, I was doing this type of thing, getting, getting mental health, um, for, uh, getting help from a mental health professional. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's so deep, man. Just about social media and just seeking validation through likes and comments. And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, for me, it's yeah, I, I was just so obsessed. And I think like nowadays, so I actually funny enough, I had amassed like 50,000 followers or followers across Instagram and Twitter. So you mm -hmm. can only imagine how much more addicted I was to that validation. And so I broke away, I, bro I, I disabled my Instagram and Twitter for, it's been like maybe a year or so that I haven't been on them. And I've, and I'm so scared to go back on, or I've been scared to go back on because I fear of, of falling back into that trap of wanting that validation. Um, so getting back on LinkedIn was really tough for me because, or getting on LinkedIn consistently actually was really tough for me because I was scared that I was just going to want the validation from people and that I was just going to be um, unsatisfied unless I got many likes or went viral, et cetera. And I, I then started to realize, or I then started to ask myself, why am I on social media? Like, what am I doing? What is the point of this? And my, I decided that I wanted to set an intention. And I think that setting an intention is what really helps us to, you know, 
see the bigger picture of what social media is and what it can do for us. And so when I set that intention specifically for LinkedIn, you know, going into my coaching business, I was like, well, I want to use this platform not only to speak about my experiences and share my story as a queer black man, but I also want to be in service of my community because I feel that that is my purpose now. I feel that I want to help other young people that look and identify as I do that don't have that representation and help them to realize their value, help them to realize that they are worth being here, that they are worth telling their story, that they are worth everything that they want, you know? And I didn't have that growing up. And we all also, we don't really have that still till this day. And so I want to be that representation or, or, or at least add my voice to that, um, to make that change, to help make that change. And so now I go to go on social media with an, an intention and I'm soon, soon, I think soon, I've been thinking about it. I'm going to get back on Instagram because I think a lot of my community is on there, not so much on LinkedIn. Um, at least I haven't really found them too much. I've, I've definitely connected with some other people that are in my community and it's been such powerful and amazing conversations. But I think that we, my community as a whole is still very reluctant, reluctant, is that a word? Is that how you say it? <laughs> to, get, um, to, to get onto LinkedIn because yeah. we just probably don't see it as a place that is gonna serve us. And I completely understand that because I felt that way as well when I got on LinkedIn. I was like, well, do I belong here? I'm not yeah. white. I'm not straight. I don't have a college degree. So what am I going to do on this platform? Who's going to see me? Who's going to want to interact with me? And of course, I found that it's completely different than the thoughts I've had on, that I've had in my head, right? Where, whereas I'm actually seeing a lot of success on LinkedIn. Um, and a lot of people are really resonating with what I'm talking about. But I didn't see that because I didn't have somebody else that I could look at really and say, oh, they're doing it. So I can do it too. Um, so that's yeah. fascinating, man. I never... I never thought about like certain groups of people not seeing LinkedIn as a place for them. Mm. Like, cause I always thought it, I always thought of it as like a professional network and like everyone is a professional in some way, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But uh, I actually had another guest on the podcast who identifies as queer, but he said for a long time, he didn't, for a long time, he hid the fact that he was queer on, on, on LinkedIn specifically. Like mm -hmm. um, in college, he was part of, he was part of a few groups. Um, he was like the president of, you know, some association. Um, but, and then I know that like some people put like hashtag queer in their description or hashtag mm -hmm. anything, right? Um, he hid that because he didn't want to be discriminated against when he would apply to jobs. And I was like, mm -hmm. yo, I never thought about that. But it's crazy because when we think about it, what, it wasn't until like last year that it was, it went up to the Supreme Court that it was illegal to to discriminate based on sexual orientation. Yeah. Like crazy that it even took this long, right? But right. Mm -hmm. yeah, I I think the fear is also still very much there for a lot of people. And I think in your experience, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think within the tech world, there's still there's there's so many young people that they're being more exposed to like communities like the queer community, you know, where yeah. they're coming up and they're already learning. They already know what pronouns are. They already know that there's yeah. different, different, um, you know, there's, there's not only what, whatever they've been taught, they know that there's different, you know? Yeah. And so I think that, you know, maybe your experience was that I'm not sure, but there's still so many companies out there that are not really allowing us to be our full selves as queer people. Um, yeah and really seeing us as, as 
as everything that we are because you know queer is, is such it's such a broad term there's so much that goes into that into that term you know there's different ways that people identify yeah. and so even but even just identifying as queer it is scary especially when you work in in the corporate world because of the expectations that people have of you and who they think can be management um, or what people's beliefs are, what people's politics are, what people's religion is, you know? A lot of people say that they leave that stuff out of, of their work, but I mean, we see it come up all the time, you know, where yeah. people don't get, you know, promotions or they get fired or whatever the case may be. It, yeah. you know, it, it, it's because people feel a certain type of way because of the way that they were taught or what they believe in. Yeah, I mean, he, the, the dude even said that, um, you know, if he was at work and, and people didn't know that he was queer, well, well, he pretty much said, like, when he is at work, he would intentionally hide his feminine side. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you think about, like, quote, unquote, professionalism, it's like white, straight males, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, he would try to, like, be, like, extra, quote, unquote, masculine to show that yeah. he was leadership material kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, like... Mm-hmm. And and it's interesting too, like going back to your validation point, I don't think validation ever goes away, right? Like the need for no. validation, but mm-hmm. it's interesting that the type of validation that you're getting now compared to previously, right? Like yeah. before it was very like physically based. It was like, mm-hmm. yo, he's, he's attractive, he's cute or like whatever that, like all of those sort of things. Now the yeah. validation is like, you are the representation that I was always looking for kind mm-hmm. of thing. So mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's dope the type of validation you're getting now and, and the type of representation that, um, you're building, man. I just want to say that. And thank you. Um, I I am curious, right? Because a lot a lot of your growth, um, a lot of your growth has come recently, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of your openness has come in the form of um, online, digitally, mm-hmm. right? Like, what has been your experience um, going into like in a, a work environment and and just being comfortable with with your authenticity? Yeah. Um. You know, it's interesting because I, and I don't really know why, but I've never at work really been scared to be gay or to be queer. I've always been my funny, positive, uh, dancing around self. I'm just that type of person. Um, So I I don't know if, if I can really recall ever being looked down upon because of my queerness but there's so the way that I grew up you know I come from a poor background and so I was not raised like I didn't get to go to college because I didn't have the money Um, and so I never saw myself being able to work in a corporate environment because I didn't have a college degree I didn't have the education I felt like I didn't have the knowledge and I also felt like I didn't have the look not only in terms of skin color but in terms of like clothes that you wear you know, I think about, you know, the first HR job that I ever got was for this amazing juice company that, you know, was pretty casual all the time. Even the management was like really um, cool and down to earth and had tattoos and stuff. So I was like, when I got into the company, I was like, oh, wow, I'm so lucky. I get to be myself all the time. This is really great. But because they were so casual, instead of having like casual Fridays, they wanted to have like a suit wearing Friday. And yeah, and so when they when they when they announced that or like when my colleague had recommended that or suggested that we do that, I felt so ashamed because I was like, I don't own a suit. I've never owned a suit. I, you know, my 
interpretation of a suit was like a button down and some nice slacks, right? It wasn't like, you know, and these guys had tailor-made suits from designers, you know, they came from money. And so I felt really ashamed. And I remember thinking like, oh, well, I'm calling out that day. <laughs> like yeah. I'm not coming to work because I don't want to tell them that I'm poor. I don't want to tell them that I grew up in this, you know, never being exposed to to this type of environment or even thinking that I could be this type of thing. So yeah, my that experience like really got to me because I was like, oh, like I'm not being myself and or I'm not telling the truth about myself or what I've experienced. And I feel ashamed of that, which in, at that time, of course, I, I didn't think that I shouldn't be ashamed of that. But now I think back to it and I'm like, well, who cares if I didn't have a suit? Like I shouldn't have to feel like less valuable just because I can't come to work wearing a tailor-made suit. Like I still get my work done probably better than they do because I actually try 10 times harder also because I have to because I'm queer and I'm black you know so I, I remember that moment a lot and I think back to it and, and it was such a a hurtful moment for me in that time but I, I think I told myself like I didn't want to ever experience like something like that again and so after I left that company I, and I joined like another company in HR wait but what did you what did you end up doing that day though Oh, yeah, I didn't show up. I didn't come to oh, work. I called out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. no. Yeah. So I was just, I was like, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable. Because the funny thing was also was that I was sharing an apartment with my colleague. Um, because the thing is, is that the company was new in the US. And so they had people from Europe coming, coming out. And so there were some guys from like Sweden and Denmark that were staying um, in the city. And so that they had an apartment and one of the guys was leaving back to Denmark. And so they had a free room. And I, I think I was looking for a place at that time or something. And so I ended up staying with one of, um, with my colleague. Um, uh, oh, oh. And so, you know, I was, I felt like I was one of them. I felt like I was one of the, one of the management team. Like, and so when that, when that moment came up, I was like, okay, well, I don't want to show them that I'm, that I, that I'm not like them. I don't want to show them that I don't got it like that, that I don't got money. I don't got a savings. I don't got, you know, what they got. And so, yeah, I just was like, I'm not coming into work. I'm just going to call out sick because I'm too scared to show that I come from a place that they don't come from. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've, I've done that on, I've done that on many occasions, not necessarily uh, calling out sick, but just being ashamed of certain things. Like I always share the example of like, yo, what did you do this weekend? And I'm like, oh, uh, can't yeah. say I went to Dykeman and smoked hookah. Uh, <laughs> let me say I did some yoga in Soho. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, mm -hmm. I would say stuff like that. But sorry, you were saying that you, you went to another job and you had another experience? Yeah, no, I, I was just gonna say that when I went to this other job and I was applying for HR, I, I told myself, I'm not going to be afraid of who I am. And of course I was still working through that. So it wasn't like as it is now. Right. But I, I wanted to really show up as much as I could for myself. Um, and that meant being, you know, if I wanted, if I was a little bit feminine, I was going to be that. If I wanted to wear a, a button down shirt that showed my tattoo, I was going to do that. Um, and I did do that. You know, I did show up as much as I could for myself in that moment for as much confidence as I had at that time, which still didn't match up to what I have now. But, yeah. it, you know, I, I think about it and, and I'm just like, yeah, like that, that one moment of me not wanting to show up 
to wear a suit at work really shaped or really you know did something to me in that moment and and but it, it helped me to really want to be more of myself and so you know i'm glad it did happen because it reminded me that you know i'm not i shouldn't be ashamed of where i come from um and i don't want to be what did that feel like that first time where you maybe wore a button up that sort of a tattoo like was the was there a voice in your head it was like yo what the fuck are you doing like you should you should button that up yo it's not too late to throw on the turtleneck like <laughs> what, what was that experience like and then how were you, how do you think you were received like it was it yeah. what you expected so the when i went to go get this new job um again in hr i wore a shirt that showed my tattoo my neck tattoo mm -hmm. for the interview Ooh, I okay. was I was so scared. I was mm. like so scared because I I had only had I think six six or so months of HR experience. Um, I didn't have a college degree. I'm black. I'm gay. You know, I have a beard. All of these things against me, and I'm putting another thing against myself with this showing of my tattoo. But I was just like, no, I, I, this is me. Like, I'm, I'm, I know what I'm capable of. You know, the job that I had prior to this, I added so much value to the company. Like, I helped them grow so much with the work that I was doing. I said, I don't care that I don't have a college degree. I don't care that I have a tattoo on my neck. I add so much value as myself, and I'm going to show up as that. And so whether or not I get this job, I want to walk in there and walk out of there with my pride and, and knowing that I'm worth something. So, yeah, I went in there and... But I was so scared that even in the interview, I mentioned like three times, I know I don't have an, I know I don't have a college degree, but I swear I, I'm the right person for this job. Like, please look over that I don't have a college degree because I can do this job. And, and, it, and it worked because I got the job. Um, but like the fear was like almost crippling because I sat there and I remember waiting because the, the, the HR manager that was interviewing me was like, meeting with someone else or whatever. So I had to wait for like 15 minutes and I was like sweating, sitting there just like scared. And, but after I walked out of there and I was like, you know what, if I don't get this job, I showed up as myself. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I showed them who I was not only physically, but mentally, I showed them that what value I can add, even though I don't have this piece of paper that says that I went to the school for four years and I paid this much money to get this education. That's I'm not hating on anyone for doing that, but, but, you know, I, I, I showed them that I can add value without these credentials that other people have, you know? Um, so I felt amazing and, and I was proud of myself and I got the job too. So, yeah. yeah I, I fuck with that, man. I love that. I mean, it's, it's way better than catfishing them, showing them one person. And then it was like, who, who the hell is this person? Right. You actually get the job. Um, <laughs> exactly. That's dope, man. I love that. I've always wondered too, uh, like in HR specifically, I feel like there's this perception of like what an HR person is supposed to look like. Like they're supposed to be 100%. like the most buttoned up professional, like representation of the, like quote unquote professional, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like of the company, um, like there's always this perception of like, oh, like hide, like HR is coming. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, is there added pressure for you? Do you feel that being HR? <sighs> it's, you know, what's interesting is that I always, and I have gotten it in almost all of the companies that I worked at, like, your hr like really your yeah and i'm like yeah i'm hr like what can i do like what does that right? mean what does that yeah, mean you exactly know I mean? you know exactly like oh i thought you were this person or i thought you were that person and Ooh, what did they and, say thought you were what yeah like i don't I, I can't really remember exactly what people have said to me but you know like yeah i've just gotten things and so 
but uh, other questions that I've gotten, and this brings me so much joy from other people of color, is wow, I, I want to get to where you are, or, or how did you get there? What did you do? You know, and so for me, it was like, oh my God, yes, like I, I'm so happy that they're seeing me in this position because it shows them that they can get here too. You know, and I always tell them, and I, I tell them all the time, like when they ask me, yeah, I don't have a college degree. Like, and for me, I sometimes I feel like there was a little bit of luck in it because I had someone that looked at me and believed in me and said, you know, I don't care that you don't have this. I'm, a, I'm gonna take you on because I see how hard you work. So. To an extent, I feel like there was a little bit of luck there for me, but I still busted my ass. Like I worked really hard, probably harder than a lot of the people that were around me. So, but to, to know that I was showing them that they could do something else than whatever it is that they were doing, not to say that what they were doing was not, was not worthy or was not good, but yeah, they can see themselves in other places that they may have never seen themselves. So it felt really good to be kind of that representation for them. Um, but yeah, like that, that was, that's all, that was always a great feeling. And um, I think I answered your question, but I, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bro. I, I be telling people like, you know, being like the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism is if we are ourselves and it's so much bigger than us though, because yeah. like us being ourselves, isn't just helping us. It is inspiring other people to do it because yeah. like, someone said this so well on my podcast they were like you know what, what we do when we be ourselves is that we become a mirror for other people like mm. they're not going to see everything of themselves in you but they may see like oh he's black or something as simple as he has a beard oh mm -hmm. shit i don't have to shave anymore you know what i mean yeah. just yeah. like these little things that they see reflected back on them and they're like all right well i can bring that part of myself and that's the only way we're gonna that's the only way we're gonna do it man i'm getting chills just yeah. even thinking about it man because that, yeah. that's dope and it goes back to the validation like mm -hmm. it's kind of validation that you're doing things in the right way but it's, it's different validation in the sense yeah. that um it's not so like i guess vanity wise mm -hmm. yeah absolutely like i really i also agree that you know you never really stop looking for validation but i think yeah. like you said it it comes it's it comes in a different form you know like when you start to be in service of other people rather than being in complete service to yourself that that level of like accomplishment feels amazing because you're providing someone else an opportunity or an experience and giving them a chance to see or be something else or experience something else. And through that, you're gaining so much more for yourself. And I think that that's how, I, I guess that can be like a form of that validation, whereas that your life is becoming much more better by providing something for somebody else without even the thought of having anything in return. Um, and that's why, you know, I want to go into service, you know, to help other people, especially from my community, because I, not just to gain anything from that, I know that's gonna come naturally or spiritually or however it comes, it's gonna come no matter what, but just knowing that I can help somebody else in either by them looking at me or, or you know, I, it could be directly or indirectly, but just knowing that I'm doing something to try and potentially better somebody else's life, provides me all the validation that I need, you know, even if I don't see it as a form of, monetarily or financially or educationally or whatever it may be like I think spiritually for me it's just it provides me so much energy you know when I get messages from people saying wow thank you for being you thank you for writing that post I resonated with that like 
it doesn't even matter if they sign up for my coaching, like their messages are enough for me in that moment because it shows me that what I'm doing is the right thing, that I am making a difference regardless of, you know, where I come from or what, what I've been through or who I used to think I was. Yeah. I love that, man. Um, and a lot of what we spoke about too is, you know, sometimes we have a voice in our heads that tells yeah. us, you know, you know, maybe we're not value, valuable enough or worthy enough. I'm wondering if you've ever received some of that feedback, but not in the form of the voice in your head. Like, have you ever received that feedback from just someone directly telling you, like, mm. you aren't enough for, like, you aren't professional or you aren't um, worthy for this specific position or opportunity? Um, I think that's real too. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I I don't know that I've gotten it directly in terms of, you know, for jobs that I've interviewed or even being being in a job. I mean, maybe it's been said indirectly or un, you know, under <laughs> someone's breath. I'm sure that it has. Um but I've 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 felt it from people. I've felt it from people and I've seen it in their face without them actually having said anything. Um, and the, the place that I see it a lot, or I've seen it a lot is when I'm interviewing other people. Um, it, you actually, you know what, I, I actually think about the, one of the first interviews that I had when I was in HR. Um, and it was this, so here I was, this black queer man, and also my colleague next to me was also a black man. And we were interviewing this white man who had a professional or business corporate background, but wanted to be part of our company because it was exploding across the US, et cetera. And I remember sitting in this interview with him and him just kind of like, he was like, oh, I'm here for an interview. Um, and I'm like, I forget his name, we'll call him Matthew or whatever. Um, <laughs> are, are you Matthew? And yeah, um, you know, I, I'm here for the interview. Where is so-and-so person? Like, oh, I'm that person. Let's have a seat over here. And it was kind of like, you can feel that hesitation from them. And so I think it's because he didn't expect me to show up and be that person like interviewing him for, for a position in the company. Um, so I have felt it from people and from like the hesitation and from the looks during interviews, um, even, even recently, not so recently, but I, at least within the last year or two, um, where I've just been like, people are shocked to see me turn on my camera and, and say, hello, <laughs> welcome to yeah. the interview. <laughs> what is it they say that, you know, sometimes it looks they give you are worse than what they say to you? 1000%. Yeah. Because it's like you, you want to know what they're thinking, you know, and, exactly. and then you, and then the thing is that you think you're, you're, you're crazy because you're like, yeah. am I over, am I overreacting? Like, are they really thinking this? Like what, what's going on? And so you just like, you, you go crazy because you really want to know. But, and then the thing is like internally or like deeply in your gut, you know, that you're right. You know that what they're thinking is 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 exactly what you're thinking, but you still kind of have that like, oh, well, maybe I'm overreacting and whatever but uh yeah, yeah you, need, you need you almost need that other person that was with you in the room that day to be like yo did you see that am i bugging <laughs> right <laughs> exactly it's <laughs> like if you're if you're on yourself in that call with just that person like you have no one else to be like yo no nobody yeah. saw that right exactly <laughs> oh. oh yeah but no nah, but nah i appreciate you man because you you I appreciate you, man, because you, you're inspiring so many. Like I said, you've inspired Thank me you. already to, to, to be more authentic, in particular mm -hmm. um, on a place like LinkedIn, because I've been guilty of just contributing to like the type of content that's already on there. <laughs> um, but as you think about continuing to be your most authentic self, mm -hmm. you know, just finish off here. Like, What's one thing that continues to inspire and empower you to 
keep moving forward in that authenticity journey? Yeah, it's definitely seeing other people be themselves. When I see when I see a person step outside and wear exactly what they want to wear or walk exactly how they want to walk, and they walk by a group of people that don't look like them or don't represent or don't identify like them or whatever the case may be, I and I see that I'm like wow that person is so brave that person is so courageous like they just really don't give a damn and to see that it reminds me that i can be my complete and whole self i can be my authentic self because no matter what it i can i I, the the opinions of other people are not going to determine my happiness and, and it shouldn't determine my happiness and i can see that when I see other people being themselves and walking outside with a smile on their face because people are talking crap about them, sometimes loudly, and they just walk by and like, okay, I don't care, bye, you know? And for me, that's like, oh, wow, like that's so, that's so powerful. So that's definitely something that really empowers me to kind of like, uh, to really want to be myself all the time when I see other people doing it.